Before we start today's episode, a quick reminder that you have less than a week until the 18th of January late deadline for this year's Campaign Media Awards. Go to campaignmediaawards.com for more info, but be quick. Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. My name is Matt Barker. I'm Features Editor of Campaign. I'm joined today by UK Editor Maisie McCabe. Hello, Maisie. Hello. And Media Editor Bo Jackson. Hello, Bo. Hi, Matt. We're recording this the day after our campaign year-ahead breakfast briefing, which was held at the Soho Curzon Cinema in central London, and was, I'm told, a sellout, our most successful breakfast briefing since 2020. Is that right, Maisie? I think most successful ever. Most um, successful yeah, ever. Yeah, for that format, yeah. the kind of year-ahead format, which is really good news. So, yeah, genuinely no tickets left. So that's nice. Not that, I mean, we don't enjoy sending people away, obviously. But having an event that people are keen to come to and buy tickets for is a great way to start the year. I was presenting and on stage as my usual way. I just didn't dare look. So <laughs> you seem very comfortable, Matt. Wow, that surprises me. <laughs> Probably because I wasn't looking at anybody. Um, it, it was a great event. There were some really good panels and guests. It seemed to be like a really a good energy. You you're on chair duties, Maisie, but did you get a chance to enjoy it as well? Yeah, it's fun. It's good. I was saying it's sort of very different, obviously, to usually when we go to conferences as journalists. You're sat there writing notes and recording things and taking things in. Whereas, yeah, when you're involved, you don't really get quite as much opportunity to do that. But I thought it went really well. It's good. I mean, the the difference about this event versus a lot of our other conferences is it's led by the editorial team. So obviously you're both involved in recruiting people to be on the panels and things. And so we kind of work together to think about, you know, the people that we've been interested to talk to during the year, the people who might have a good perspective on the year ahead. You know, maybe because of the business they work on, maybe because of their personalities, maybe because of what they've achieved, lots of different reasons, and kind of bring them together to sort of have, I guess, relatively broad thematic kind of conversations. Mm. Bo, you're involved as well, as, as made you yeah, sit a good yeah. time. I was sitting there absorbing as much as possible with it being my first one for campaign, and it was brilliant to put some faces to names even if quite briefly just trying to catch people and like you I was glad that the lights were down on the audience <laughs> when I got to sit up on stage but it was um, it was a really good event a great energy about it. Yeah it kind of reminded me a bit of some of our awards that we had late last year in terms of that energy and it's just a feeling of everybody hopefully being back on track after all the upheavals and plenty of upheavals still going on as we speak of course but just, just sort of that sense of uh, we're back doing what we do best, I suppose. Yeah, it's an interesting time, I think, because both 22 and 23, you have to remember what year we're in, I think probably ended up more difficult than people expected at the beginning. Yeah. I think there was a sense, like, I think 21 was sort of better than people expected. Obviously, 22 was really difficult. And then I think, you know, with all kind of geopolitical events and inflation and cost of energy and all those sorts of things, They've made kind of the years quite complicated. And then I think, you know, particularly last year, I feel like it's almost like the long tail impact of inflation and price rises has, you know, made things really difficult for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And, you know, that's both clients in terms of their budgets and then also, you know, particularly some maybe of the kind of smaller independent agencies as you're sort of seeing a bit of a squeeze. I certainly noticed over Christmas being a good marketing journalist watching ITV and, you know, seeing quite a few ads, old ads Mm. rerunning, which Mm. I know obviously the research says is effective. So it's not necessarily a bad decision, but at a time where things are compromised, it's obviously a cheaper option too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, one of my big highlights yesterday was a presentation from Saatchi's Chief Strategy Officer, Richard Huntington. There's always someone with something to say. He was on fine form and as a special treat, we're, we're going to play his presentation in full after we've had a little chat here. I moderated the Brands Panel with Nishma Patel-Rob, WACL President, Toby Horry at TUI and Jane Stiller at ITV. Apologies, Jane, if you're listening. I believe I called you Claire last week. Chat soon turned to the role of the marketeer and whether it might be termed to redefine what it actually is that a marketer does. And indeed, whether the term marketing really does justice to the work and responsibilities involved. Let's have a quick listen now. First, we hear from Toby and then it's Nishma. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in some ways it's almost going back to the original definition of marketer. I mean, we talked about, you know, I'm old enough to remember the four Ps and, and when marketers actually controlled that. Um, and I think, therefore, it's it's not about redefining what a marketer is, but reinforcing that marketing is absolutely crucial to sales and growth and profit. And rather than that being seen as the preserve of finance or commercial, it's actually, that's that should be marketing's number one job. I mean, I always remember seeing... Um, watching Mad Men and uh, when there's an episode where Don Draper asks what the sales were at the weekend uh, which I always thought was quite an interesting little insight as to you know ha- have we moved too far away from that now clearly not everything's about short-term sales but I, th- I think making sure that marketing is seen as a critical component of commercial success is something that we should constantly try and reinforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah I don't think we can we, we'll come up with a fancy name and forget it so we probably shouldn't do that but I think the um I think one of the key things, as you say, is that sense of customer first. You know, we went through a few years of being really obsessed about being customer first, and it feels like in the last few years, as other pressures have come in the business, actually, have have we slightly taken our eye off it or shaved a bit here and there? I think being internally the guardian of both the customer, that connection to culture and, and creativity and audiences, which ultimately do drive back to that bottom line, it is perhaps where it needs to go. So demonstrating more of that, the breadth of the role, rather than does marketing do it just justice on its own? What do you think, Maisie? Is it time for marketing to have a, a rebrand itself? It's funny, isn't it? I think the best long-term strategy is to build the existing brand into something new by virtue of what you do. Yeah. I'm not sure we need a new name. I think some, I think they said maybe we don't need a name. Did someone? Yeah, they did. Yeah. I loved Jane's comment as well about she's going to embrace the, the colouring in. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was great and it's time to... Yeah, so she know. said that, yes, yeah, so this was from where people have kind of derisively described marketing as the colouring in department. And she said yes. we should embrace being the colouring in department. Yeah, which is a really fun way, I think, to look at it, isn't it? Yeah. She, they were all really impressive marketers, obviously, but they were great on the day as well it kind of set the tone for the day quite a bit it bringing out the idea of being more bold in 2024 and taking more risks which came up throughout all the rest of the panels but with media perhaps taking a less risky approach <laughs> as we saw at the end we'll come on to that now Maisie you moderated the agencies panel which was another really intriguing chat wasn't it yeah, it was good. So we had Ryan Fisher from Widens, Miranda Hipwell from Adam Eve DB, Jessica Tamsedge from Dentsu, and Zoe Eagle from Accenture Song. And so they were talking about a wide range of stuff. The issue of where people work and how people work and the kind of mix of days and office came up quite a bit. It was quite interesting, I thought. Also, the you know, the way they work with clients, the shape of work they make with clients as well. They're all sort of you know, agencies that are in a, quite an interesting position for different reasons, you know, quite different backstories, quite a lot of change in some of them. So 
it'll be interesting to see how all of those agencies deliver in this year. Yeah. Let's hear a quick excerpt now then. First we hear from Miranda and then it's Zoe. You can't get away from the fact that the work that we do and when we do the best work that we do, it's when we're together and it's when we work in teams and it's when we gather around things with our teams internally and with clients and partners and different agencies. And the feeling of that as a creative agency is just complete magic, I, I believe. And I think that's how we excel. And I think it's really, really important. But I think that what the last few years has allowed us to do is see that actually there can be flexibility. So I don't think for us it's ever been about going backwards and going back to something where you have to show up at a certain time and you have to you know, be present always. I think technology means we can work in lots of different ways. Um, so flexibility is brilliant and we really advocate for that as well. But yeah, the magic of what we do and the best of what we do is together. And does that resonate with you, Zoe? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I would completely agree with everything you're saying about... We are allowed to disagree, though. It's more fun. I'm going to disagree. <laughs> oh, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I do. I completely agree. I think that the magic in the work very often is sort of sparked when we come together in the office. I think the other thing that I would add about the office space is that, and this relates to something Jay was saying, actually, that we've got to think about the kind of value exchange for talent. And very often, the office has got quite an important role to play in delivering a really engaging experience for them, where they can develop really quickly, they can work with incredible people. You just kind of get more highs and lows emotionally when you're in person. And so while I completely agree with everything you're saying about flexibility, coming into the office, being together, is really important if you're just going to get the most out of work. There was a great question at the end of that panel, wasn't there, about diverse talent, though? Yeah, it was great. I think you'd picked it up in your panel as well, Matt, but it's just great to hear a lot of Adland talking about wanting people from a lot of different backgrounds in the making of the work that we're seeing. So then they resonate with these audience and with just your wider public. I think you definitely need that, don't you? It's like that is the phrase, nothing about us without us and it's nice to see that being front of mind for a lot of people there I thought. Mm -hmm. I could hear you chuckling away during the creativity panel Maisie you seem to enjoy that one. Yeah no it was good there's some um, engaging characters on stage it was a bumper panel so we had obviously the esteemed Gurdjieff Deegan creativity and culture editor of campaign moderating and we had Lindsay Atkin the ECD at Full Creative, Chaka Sabani the outgoing we actually gave her a full title on things. So it was yeah. like outgoing global chief creative officer of Leah Burnett and UK chief creative officer of Fallon and Leah Burnett. And, and there's no one more outgoing. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Well, there was a point at which at the beginning of like just before that, like after the break, she was coming in. She was going to sit on the floor like in front of the <laughs> stage. It was like, get up. Uh, yeah, bless her. So it was that busy that it was kind of sometimes difficult to to find a seat um, but we got her one so we can't have the incoming global president of DDB you know sitting on the floor and then we have Dan Dawson who's the chief creative officer at Grand Visual who are an outdoor specialist Dan Morris who's one of the ECDs at the OR and his partner Charlene Chandrasakan also ECD at the OR and they were really interesting and spiteful words of fun metaphors so mm -hmm. Dan Morris came up with the idea of yeah creativity being the sugar in the medicine yep. with the medicine being the selling which was fun and then I also like Lindsay said something about taste being creative's currency which I think is really important actually like the importance of taste and you know aesthetic and 
idea and writing choices is so important and sometimes kind of overlooked, I think. Yeah, let's give it a quick listen now. First we hear from Dan and then it's Chaka. I kind of see it as our job is to provide the sugar uh, for the medicine so that it can go down. And it feels like in the last few years, the medicine is the selling, by the way. Um, And it just feels like in the last few years, we kind of forgot the sugar and just tried to give the medicine. Salt. (laughs) Salt, yeah, yeah. Salt and medicine. Um, And that's why I'm excited, because I feel like people are coming back to sugar. And it's, it's great. And I want more sugar. I want to be entertained. And then I'm more willing to have the medicine. Most obscure analogy I've ever heard. You're I'm welcome. Still try- thanking you. I can't wait um, to see where it goes. I can't top that in any shape or form. Um, I, I agree with everything that everyone said, and uh, particularly with what you're saying, Charlene, in terms of, I think as an industry, I always find it quite funny how as an industry we, we write so much stuff and talk so much about trying to well, I don't even know what it is, like trying to categorize stuff. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, good is good and great is great. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect with people. We're trying not to annoy them. We're trying not to sell. We're trying to hopefully turn up in some way that is helpful, whether it's from entertainment, whether it's you know in terms of service or in terms of help. Um, and I think concentrating on that, whether it's comedy, it's one of my favorite things that Richard said out of the 17,000 things that he said that we need to get purpose out of our asses. I never knew purpose existed in my ass, but anyway, I'm gonna try and find it and get rid of it. Um, but if it's, that was weird, edit that. Uh, really weird, I'm so sorry. Um, I've got no problem if something is purpose, if it's authentic and it's right, and it's right for the brand. Go to, man. And if comedy is right, I'm more worried if people start jumping on things that are like, this needs to be funny. And you're like, why? It's co-op funeral care. That should not be funny. Now, Bo, you had to sit there patiently waiting for your chance, bringing proceedings to a close with your media panel. How was that? Yeah, I know Natalie commented on being squeezed in at the end when we were when we not came the up. But that's not, true. not it's, it's not, not true. no. No, it was really good actually because it meant that everybody was really warmed up and, and ready for our debate. So I had Natalie Bell from MGOMD, Karen Seymour from Sky Media UK and Chris Boger from TikTok all speaking about their priorities about a very busy year ahead for media. Let's hear from Natalie. Uh, I think there's a number of things. One is missteps, actually. So as things come to market this year, just making sure we're going about it in the right way because I I fear a rush to novelty might end in missteps, which in media I get creatively taking risks, but in media that can have some serious damage on brands and on the industry. Um, So I think sort of having caution with testing, which we must do, um, and having governance in place. I think with that goes... Um, I'm a big believer that we need to spend a lot of time on the input of media, but I think at at times we spend too much on that. So I just want to make sure as an industry we're spending as much time on the creativity and the actual work, the output, as we are on the input, because I think this year could become too distracting. So much is going to happen this year in media. Um, We just need to balance those two things. Um, And then the other one is, to the point about measurement um, and to the point about content, and cookie deprecation, uh, fragmentation is going to be greater than it's ever been. You know, we're striving for an origin which has a holistic view of things, whilst also taking steps back on how fragmented our approaches on measurement, on delivery, on optimization have to be because of how the market's going to look this year. 
And there were some interesting points raised, I thought, as well. Yeah, again, picking up on the kind of theme of risk that we had on the day and risk-taking, Natalie made the point how sometimes you can't be as risky in media because you can fall foul of certain things. But I think it was tapping into some of the points that were made also in the creativity panel by Charlene, who was saying she hates the word trends and us all falling into that. And I think you could what Natalie was saying, like, don't fall into fads with your media, you know, be as thoughtful with your input and your output as you possibly can. So they're working together and you're making that worthwhile. But um, no, it was great. It was indeed. Now, while we're talking about year ahead, we're publishing some more stories from various industry figures, giving us their insight into what we can expect over the next 12 months. We've just published our year ahead creativity piece, which you can read on the site now, which is great. It's Gurdjit talking to Lindsay and Shaka, who were both on, on the round table that we mentioned, but also Felix Richter as well. And I um, fully recommend having a read of that. We're also going to be having a media agencies round table, a technology discussion and some predictions for ad spend. And they'll all be appearing on the site later on next week. There's also Richard Huntington was involved in the strategy roundtable, which yes. we published last week, um, which was really good alongside Mel Arrow and Martin Beverly of Adam and Eve DDB. And we had a media owner year ahead, which yes. was published on Monday. We had people from Bauer, Clear Channel and DCM. Now, talking to Richard, what did you think of his uh, his spiel? It was, it was great. It was very entertaining. Wasn't oh, it? it was wonderful. It was so well written, perfectly delivered. It was really funny. Really good jokes, really good written jokes. I guess so I had approached him after he did so he had a, a speech that you went to I think Matt which mm. was which was entitled what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. so I, I you know had a flavor of his approach and style I guess to these things obviously with this event you don't want to have too many panels so it's important to have some presentations within it as well so I knew he'd do a a fabulous job and so it was really interesting conversation where he you know challenged some conventions in the industry I thought some of what he said around research and testing was really interesting you know I think it's really important that people in the industry don't lose their kind of critical and thoughtful faculties when dealing with research and not no one has a single answer to advertising I think Richard made the point that he'd been working in it advertising for 34 years and still didn't know mm-hmm. when something was going to be good or not. By its nature, it's ethereal. <laughs> and, you know, obviously we use the best partners and research and data and thinking that we can. Everyone should be looking at using as many resources as possible. And I guess that was one of Richard's points that I think we'll probably follow up on. Yeah. My favourite bit is when he called out all the um, sort of generation generalisations, a bit of a tongue twister there, but, you know, Gen Z and, and now it's Gen Alpha and Gen X and everything else and liking it to horoscopes, which is what I've always done. I came very close to standing up and clapping when when uh, when, when he said that bit. How about you, Bo? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was, it was a really powerful speech. He'd well thought it out, well planned with all of his, his three points to take away from it but very hard to follow as well. <laughs> yes, very hard to yeah. follow that when we'd had everybody laughing and applauding him. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Maisie and Bo. And we're going to hand you over to Richard now. Oh, fucking hell. Right, OK. Just in the, in the nicest possible way, I slightly despair of events like this, not the gathering of the wonderful, the lovely and the talented that reminds us how brilliant this industry is. But sort of the attempt to predict a year because of our obsession, I think, with the fashionable and the shiny and the way we get bored easily. 
Cast your minds back to 2022, the year of Web3. Every single creative presentation came with a free NFT. But come 2023 and Web3 was nowhere to be seen. This was the year of generative AI. Not because AI is more important than Web3, but because we got bored. We literally got bored of a technology that will define the future of the internet. For so no sooner has a technology started to gain, gain traction than we are fed up and dump it like an ITV presenter with an inappropriate, if not illegal, relationship. And that's, that's us all over, isn't it? You know, living proof of the Roy Amara quote that we tend to overestimate the effect of technology in the short run and underestimate it in the long run. So I don't want to play guessing games with the year ahead. I'd like for us to shape it, to make three resolutions to help guide the way that we engage with every task and every technology so that we get better work that solves real problems and generates growth for our organisations, our clients, and perhaps, I think the, we, the, uh, the agency panel slightly avoided this question, but perhaps fair pay for our agencies. First up, I want to uh, dump some dogma. I really worry that this business, this innovative, mercurial, magical and imaginative business is being stifled by dogma. A fixed set of beliefs that we are expected to accept without question. Dogma that insists that there's only one way of doing things, only one way to create work and only one way that work works. Dogma is everywhere. It comes from many sources, but in the main from those that insist that creativity is a science. Take the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, how revolutionary their work appeared 15 years ago. Strategists like me lapped it up, especially the stuff about the power of light users, the primacy of penetration, and the, the folly of loyalty. But yesterday's radical new idea rapidly becomes orthodoxy and then, as predictably as an IPA president's agenda is instantly forgotten, it mutates into dogma. I'm still a fan of Ehrenberg Bass's work, but I can't stand the way that they and their marketing funders will accept no criticism. To quote Armageddon Days by The The, for those of you of a certain age, uh, they've forgotten the message and worship the creed. And I'm seriously sick to the fucking back teeth that the answer to every question is a distinctive brand asset. This is the single greatest threat to progress in our business. There are religious fanatics in middle America that take the Bible less seriously than some marketers regard distinctive brand assets. I've written those in like cap D, cap B, cap A in inverted commas. Of course, you know, most marketers now simply call them DBAs and don't bother to spell it out. Our job is to teach consumers the way that our brand alone communicates, whether that's character, celebrity, format, story, world, or technique. The system as a whole is what drives attribution, not spraying a sonic mnemonics or Pantone references all over the shop and then just praying. Now, of course, I'm picking on sciency marketers, but dogma's everywhere. Purpose-led advertising has become dogma. Strategists have been moaning about it for a while, but purpose is still promoted and policed by agencies, clients and awards, all desperate to have greater meaning in the world than just selling things. And the result is a creative fashion that has bled our work of fun, entertainment, lightness of touch, and at a very basic level, 
relevance. I love what Jane said about maybe we should be a bit prouder of being the colouring in department sometimes. So much so, this this sort of uh, policing of purpose, that when Magnum actually creates an ad that makes people laugh, it's kind of a cause for celebration in the industry. Now, proper proper purpose still has a significant role in organisational leadership, internal culture, product and proposition development, but I suspect it needs to get the hell out of our ads. And dogma's even creeping into research of all places. I recently witnessed a LinkedIn spat, it was a slow Christmas in the Huntington household, between two pre-testing methodologies about the Christmas ads, with both claiming to be able to predict the most effective work and differing in their results. I think I'll wait for the Christmas trading before I pass judgment on effectiveness in any of the work, but this has got to be a new low. I mean, how can you be dogmatic about pre-testing except to say that it's a waste of money of little strategic value and we all just go along with it like Tory MPs forced to parrot the benefits of Brexit? In a, unless you laugh, but there's no clapping. I'm, uh, you're, you're just embarrassed. Like, no, I know. I know you're right, but I can't say it. Anyway, in a way, I kind of admire the dogmatic. So certain are they that they alone are right. I wish I knew how to create uniquely powerful, engaging, memorable, persuasive work every time. I've been doing this for 34 years. And while I've got a good idea, I can't be certain every time. So let's try and be less dogmatic, even in speeches that are dogmatic about being less dogmatic. Let's be less dogmatic in 2024 and shun those that insist that they alone know the answer to life, the universe and everything. Paul Feldwick in The Anatomy of Humbug, one of the best best books on the history of advertising and the worst named, reminds us that every theory of advertising since its inception has merit. We should use everything that this industry has ever thought as and when it is helpful and stop trying to find the one ring to rule us all. Because none of us knows how advertising works. We still don't. If we did, that would mean we understood how the human mind works. And whatever the behavioural scientists dogmatically claim, we're a long way off that. The second resolution I invite you to join me in is a commitment to reality. As the situation in this country gets worse and worse, marketers, both client and agency, become more and more averse to people's real lives. Because... Those lives are so fucking scary and unmanageable. And this is stopping us connecting with reality. And in the final instance, I think it's stopping us doing our jobs properly. Nishma talked a little bit about the loss of customer focus over the last few years. And uh, and Sharon about the way that marketing folk don't look, think, love or live like ordinary people. And a few are now going to challenge that idea that we are unrepresentative of the people that we serve, whether in thought, word or deed. And of course, representation is desperately important for an industry polluted by a monoculture. But that's not the reason for our aversion to reality. It's not simply that we live in a parallel world to our consumers. We also work in one, something I call marketing land. Marketing land is an aspirational place, not for consumers, but for organisations, a fake world conjured into existence by marketers' distaste for the real one, with all its ugliness, mess and complexity. It's a place that operates as marketers, agency and client side would have it be, not as it actually is. And I've made much of the things I really loathe in marketing land elsewhere, so I'm not going to dwell on them 
much. But the shit list includes narcissistic research that obsesses about the brand and not the lives of people it serves, which is basically almost all research in one way or another, because almost all research is like a needy partner, endlessly asking, do you love me? How much do you love me? Do you love them more than you love me? And what would make you love me more? Segmentation. Segmentation studies are a form of marketing procrastination in which every organisation seems to be eternally waiting for the new segmentation study to arrive. Like the protagonists in a Samuel Beckett play, they become yet another way to abstract reality, to package it neatly and inoffensively for the aspirational marketer. In particular, the way they caricature and demean people by simplifying their lives into crude personas as deep, as insightful as the new characters in And Just Like That, the Sex and the City follow-up. Finally, the end-of-level boss of segmentation, the stinking edifice of generational marketing. Even Jay couldn't help himself with a little Gen Z reference. Generational marketing that lumps millions of billions of people together and then ascribes every single attitude they hold and behaviour they exhibit to the year they were born. Like astrology, it's an amusing diversion, but in 2024, anyone using generational marketing... I mean, it's, not, it's no harder to say young people than... Gen Z, is it? Anyway, in 2024, anybody using generational marketing should have all responsibility for the future of brand or business confiscated with immediate effect. As Logan Roy says of his idiot children in succession, I love you, but you are not serious people. <laughs> the flight from reality in marketing is now so pressing and problematic that those of us that believe in the real, in the observable, in the lives that are really lived by the people we serve must take a stand. In 2024, let's stage a revolution in reality. I started this last year with what the fuck is going on. Now it's over to all of us. This year, let's commit to roll back the narcissism of the research we commission, spending far more time and energy simply understanding our customers' lives. How about 20% of all the research budgets that we command focusing on people first and not brand first? To that end, let's get out of the viewing facility. They exist for our ease and edification, turning our customers into laboratory subjects. All research has context, so it should be undertaken on a customer's territory and not ours. And while when we get personal, let's talk about real people and their stories rather than synthesise a lot of them into fictitious default customers. We should be celebrating the individual lives as distinct from each other. And above all else, let's commit ourselves to love and respect the people we serve, no matter their lives, no matter their views. No more disrespectful personas and segment names, and no more generational marketing. So we're dumping the dogma and being far more plural where we shop for our understanding of what is effective. And we're going to get real and build a far more messy and visceral proximity to the people we serve. But there's something else we need to be utterly obsessed with in 2024, and that is finding growth, not for our agencies, though that would be nice, but for our organisations and, and clients. I know this seems obvious, but I don't think we give it much real thought. We do obsess about whether the marketing we are responsible for is working to drive volume and value. The client panel mentioned Barbie, but for me, in 2023, the standout case was Lucky General's work with Yorkshire Tea, taking the number three player in a declining category up to number one. This is surely marketing business at its very best. Before the power of work like this, it still reflects an industry that's focused on fighting for market share in mature categories. 
Essence Mediumcom recently did an analysis that showed the vast majority of spend in the broadband category simply has the effect of defending share rather than growing it. Now, I'm sure this, this will be no surprise to many seasoned ad people. We've sort of thought this for a long while. Advertising sometimes does protect business rather than growing it. But I think it's a pretty poor answer for most CEOs. In a stagnant economy, they need to find growth by any means necessary. And this is where we need to spend far more time as an industry, partly out of duty to our organizations and clients, and partly because it offers us a chance to demonstrate our real value as a, as a, as a, a function and uh, be fairly paid for what it is that we do. I think the opportunity is now to show how brands can help transform what businesses do and how they make money by imagining a better future for those businesses, to help them find growth in both core and adjacent categories, to help them find growth from tools and from services, not just products, and to make the business more resilient by diversifying income. That's precisely how Apple increased revenue by 364% in the four years to 2020, while customer numbers only increased by 16%. Growth through taking a greater share of people's lives. Put that in your pipe and smoke it bar and sharp. I call this brand, you were asking, people asking earlier, should we have a better word for marketing? I, I, I think about it as brand-led business transformation. I feel the era of digital business transformation is over since it's failing to deliver sustainable competitive advantage. Brand-led business transformation is where our future lies. It's what we're trying to do with EE, to fundamentally repurpose the brand and rewire the business so that it can compete for more of people's lives and find fresh growth within and beyond pure connectivity through EE Home, EE Work, EE Learn and EE Game. Brand-led business transformation is an unfamiliar space for many marketers, agencies, and for strategists too, because you're working ahead of the business to govern the nature of the brand and how it needs to serve people. And then you're working with the business to build the technology, services, products, tools, and journeys that make that promise a reality. The agency panel talked a lot about the need for greater speed, but the fact is the launch of new EE took us three years because we created a vision to be fulfilled and as a platform for future growth rather than simply reframing what was already on the table. Now there's nothing wrong with that. We should be hugely proud as an industry of our ability to do just this. The world's favourite airline, the fourth emergency service, Dirt is Good, Campaign for Real Beauty, The Power of Dreams and of course Tea Done Properly. But it's not where our future lies. Our future is in harnessing the power of brands to transform businesses in order that they can find new growth. That's what makes me incredibly excited about our industry and why I continue to be obsessed with it 34 years in. Because only we have the sheer creativity of thought and action to imagine new futures for businesses, organisations and causes. All of us, creative agencies, media agencies, identity agencies, digital agencies, experience agencies, integrated agencies and client marketers. It's the one thing the consultancies struggle to deliver. They may be good at the digital transformation bit, but only once you've briefed them on the vision for the future of the brand, because they lack the one thing that we all have in profusion, and that is imagination. Brand-led business transformation is our real value, and I believe that this is what will unlock real value for all of us. So there you are, three little resolutions that you will welcome, you're welcome to, you won't welcome them, 
but you're welcome to join me in dumping dogma, bringing back reality, and using your brands to find new growth. They are about the future of strategy, as briefed, but in reality, they're about our business as a whole and how we serve our organizations and clients. And more critically, how we serve the customers that we need to engage to keep this whole show on the road in a very difficult period of time. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager and Editor Navpal and to producer Till Owen. And also to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.